President O'Donnell, distinguished members of the administration, faculty, and staff of Christendom College, honored guests, parents, family, and friends, and most of all, you, the beloved class of 2013. Thank you for your kind invitation uh, to speak to you today at your commencement ceremony, and thank you for honoring me with this doctorate, uh, this honorary doctorate, honoris causa. I am really delighted to be here today and to be sharing the stage also with Mrs. Ann Carroll, the founder of Seton School in Manassas and Seton Home Study School, who has received the Christendom College St. Catherine of Siena Award for Distinguished Service. When I graduated from college 32 years ago, the graduation speaker, President Ronald Reagan, praised the institution where I had studied by saying that it was like a great storehouse of knowledge. It was a storehouse of knowledge, he said, because each freshman class brings so much knowledge to the place and the seniors take so little away. Uh, now, I know that that's certainly not true for Christendom College, uh, where it's indeed an honor for me to speak to you this morning on the occasion of your graduation. I first heard of Christendom College in about 1979 or 1980, when some dear friends of mine from high school transferred into your college, uh, which at that time had just arrived here in Front Royal. And since that moment, 30 years ago, I've watched with appreciation and admiration as Christendom College has gone from strength to strength. And that great tradition continues this morning with your own commencement as the class of 2013. Dear graduates, today you launch out on a new chapter of your lives. Graduation from college is indeed one of the great milestones in each of our stories as human beings. For many of you, your time of formal education is now finished, and you begin your life in the world. While it's certainly not the case that college life is totally isolated from the world, it is true that you enter now the world without the mediating and somewhat insulating structures that a college provides. And what is this world that you enter? You enter a world which even today was well described some 50 years ago by the fathers of the Second Vatican Council, a world characterized by gaudium et spes, but luctus et angor, that is, by joy and hope, but also by sorrow and anguish. You enter a world which more than ever before has lost its moorings and is at times drifting aimlessly on a sea of relativism, while at the same time being convulsed with, with spasms of anger directed at traditional moral values. In such a world, a world that you enter as college graduates today, what is the gaudium, what is the hope, the joy, I should say, that a Catholic carries in his or her heart? What is the spes, the hope, that this gaudium can bring to the anguish of our contemporary world. And I would propose something very simple and very foundational, something that your education at Christendom College has reinforced, nurtured, and explored. And it is expressed and was expressed by Mrs. Ann Carroll very eloquently in her speech this morning. Truth, truth exists. Indeed, it seems almost redundant for us to mention this fact to you today, 
because the greatness and the lasting value of your education at Christendom has been premised precisely on this fact, that there is such a thing as truth, and that truth, the search for truth, is worth everything. Pope Benedict XVI, in speaking to young people at the World Youth Day in Madrid just two summers ago, spoke of the, and I quote, search for truth as the highest aspiration of the human spirit. A search, he said, that sadly, the dominating culture of relativism has largely given up on. This is certainly the case. We find ourselves in the presence of a culture that, again, as Mrs. Carroll alluded to in her talk, makes its own the words of Pontius Pilate to Jesus Christ. Quid es veritas, what is truth? Or to say the same thing in a more modern idiom, truth, what's that? Indeed, entire societies can attempt to base themselves on things that are not true. And such societies can, in fact, last for a while doing so. As I mentioned earlier, at my own graduation from college, President Ronald Reagan was the speaker. It was May of 1981. Pope John Paul II had been gravely wounded by an assassin only four days earlier. And President Reagan came to Notre Dame and spoke to us about a future of hope. He spoke of the ideology of communism, and he famously said that day, and I quote, the West will not contain communism, it will transcend communism. We will not bother to denounce it, we'll dismiss it as a sad, bizarre chapter in human history whose last pages are even now being written. I remember well how his prediction was met with equal measures of scorn and dismay by many of those who at that time considered themselves the elite. What did a Hollywood actor who knew, knows nothing about complex geopolitical issues, what does he have to say about the history of the world and the future? They all intoned. And yet, of course, Ronald Reagan was right about communism. Within 10 years, it was finished in the Soviet Union and in Eastern Europe. What the disappearance of communism teaches us is that there is an intrinsic and fatal weakness in trying to construct human life and human societies on something that is not true. It is interesting to note that in our own time, when there's a concerted effort to deny the natural truth of marriage between a man and a woman, it's interesting to note that the early Russian communists themselves were quite hostile to the institution of marriage and made it a point to erase the difference between marriage and non-marital cohabitation in Russia with disastrous, enduring results for family life in that nation. Our current predicament, however, the crisis which affects Western culture, is in some ways more dire than that which was presented by Marxism at the beginning of the last century. In large part, and especially at the beginning of the Russian Revolution, communists believed in truth, in the sense that they believed firmly that their system was based on the objective scientific truth of the human condition. We now know that they were wrong. But it was not truth itself which they rejected. It was rather that their preconceptions, their prejudices, and in many cases, their moral degradation 
led them to create a system that was almost entirely fallacious. Today, however, we find ourselves in a world in which the existence of truth itself is questioned or denied. It's one thing to be mistaken in one's search for truth. It's quite another to decide that there is no truth, that there are only competing political ideologies seeking to impose themselves. As I alluded to already, we see the evidence of this imposition of ideology in the attempts to deny the true nature of marriage between a man and a woman. We see it as well in the completely arbitrary decision that a child in his or her mother's womb is not entitled to be protected in law from those who wish to end his or her life. In these two areas, as well as in others, we see that fundamental truths about the human person are rejected, truths that derive from what we as Catholics call the natural law. It's been fashionable now for a long time to say that arguments drawn from truths of the natural law are no longer convincing in our contemporary world. Empirically speaking, there seems to be some validity in that claim. Recent votes, recent referenda, for example, seem to show that a significant number of citizens in some parts of America no longer believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. But it seems to me that our societal problem has been created as much by a lack of confidence in speaking about truth as it has in speaking about, natural, about nature and natural law. This situation is serious because our nation was founded on the idea that there are self-evident truths about which different people from different backgrounds and different beliefs can agree precisely because these truths are self-evident. These are the truths that are recognized as such because they are consistent with natural law. Our difficulty today is that the existence of truth is itself called into question. People are not going to be interested in searching for a truth in the natural law if they've been convinced that there are no truths to be found. There are only different interpretations vying for support in the media culture. So why this disquisition on the question of truth on this, your graduation day today? Because I firmly believe that the joy and the hope that you as Christendom College graduates bring to the world is precisely to be found in this idea of truth. And my advice to you today is very, very simple. Always seek the truth with courage and conviction. Never become cynical about the truth. Live the truth in your personal lives by striving to be honest and remember always that there is a beautiful consistency between natural and supernatural truth. Our Catholic faith incorporates both Catholic faith perfects nature, and because it perfects nature, it also protects and defends the natural truths that are accessible to all people, especially when the existence of those truths are being, is being denied or undermined as they are today. And remember that for a Catholic, truth is not a mere abstraction or only a philosophical concept. Truth has a name and a face, Jesus of Nazareth, God made man. He and only he is called the way, the truth, and the life, the via veritas et vita. He is the way of truth, which is life and which leads to life, that life which is eternal, which transcends death, 
begins now in our hearts and minds when we follow the way of truth, which is the Catholic faith. That truth, that life, gives us a joy that the world cannot completely understand. It's the joy of knowing that there is indeed an answer in life to the question, why? Pope Francis, in his address to members of other religions at the beginning of his pontificate, spoke powerfully about the importance of this search for truth as the means of uniting diverse peoples. He said, and I quote, we know how much violence has resulted in recent times from the attempt to eliminate God and the divine from the horizon of humanity. And we are aware of the importance of witnessing in our societies to that primordial openness to transcendence which lies deep in the human heart. In this, the Pope said, we also sense our closeness to all those men and women who, although not identifying themselves as followers of any religious tradition, are nonetheless searching for truth, goodness, beauty, the truth, goodness, and beauty of God. They, these people, are our valued allies in the commitment to defending human dignity in building a peaceful coexistence between peoples and in safeguarding and caring for creation, close quote. So, dear graduates, that's my prayer for you today, that you will always seek the truth and witness to it in your lives. Your years at Christendom have given you an unparalleled preparation for living your faith in our contemporary world. By loving the truth and living the truth, you will have an effect on everyone you come in contact with, an effect which is accomplished simply by living and not necessarily always by preaching. All of you have put much effort into your years of study at Christendom. You've had experiences and made friendships which will be, without, which will be with you throughout your entire life. Today, you and your families celebrate your accomplishment, and it's a great pleasure for me to join my voice to theirs in congratulating each of you and in wishing you the very best as you leave this great college and begin a new chapter in your lives. May God bless you and may the mother of God, Mary most holy, watch over and protect you always. Thank you very much. <laughs>